As you may have heard from the previous episode, my team and I have been working hard to help grow Asia's podcasting scene by launching our key event of the year, the Asia Podcast Awards and Summit. If you host a podcast show, why not nominate it for the Asia Podcast Awards? There are five major categories up for competition, which are business, education, entertainment, technology, and Asia's best. Winners will be announced at the Asia Podcast Summit happening on the 9th and 10th of November. Best of all, it's entirely free to join. Deadline for nomination has extended to the 22nd of September. Nominate your show today at asiapodcastawards.com. On with the show. So what is the definition of success? That's the first place. Is the definition of success materialistic wealth? Is the definition of success in your books being famous? Is it being at a high position? Is it getting promotions after promotions? What is your definition of success? That needs to be clarified first. You have your own unique formula. I have my own unique formula because that's what resonates with me. And finding your own unique formula evolves through time. It's a discovery. And sometimes it's a very painful discovery. You you think you've sussed it out and then you go, no, I need to add something else to it now. Hello, welcome to the Leaders of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Ling Ling. The Leaders of Learning podcast is a show that explores learning in the 21st century with educators, leaders, and entrepreneurs from around the world. Check out our website on www.leadersoflearning.asia. You can also follow us on our social media on Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. Some call it charisma. Some call it gravitas. There are people who carry an aura or energy that charms and attracts. And you can't help but listen, follow, and perhaps be persuaded by them. Their presence commands attention, even without saying a word. As a leader, having such presence commands respect and credibility, which helps to influence others to work towards your vision. But not all of us are gifted with such presence. But can anyone learn this? Do leaders need the executive presence to be successful? Well, having this helped me advance in my career. Joining us is Rohit Basi, a TEDx and global professional speaker based in Dubai. Rohit has a background in senior management on client and customer service and has supported over 100 businesses across 40 countries. He also co-authors the best-selling book, Success Mastery. Rohit, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Can you share with our listeners a bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? You want me to go flashback when I was a baby or? <laughs> <laughs> brief version would be great. Brief, brief, brief version. Well, I am born and brought up in the UK. For the last 14 years, I am based out of Dubai. Love the place. And my heritage is Indian, although I do see myself as a person without any labels. 
So I see myself more as a global or a universal citizen, a universe citizen. I come from a technical background as far as my work profession is concerned until I stumbled upon what people define as soft skills, which I don't think they should be called soft skills. They should be called necessary skills, which assist you, not necessarily in the progression of your career, but they develop you as an individual. So that's, that's how I got into what I'm doing nowadays. Excellent. So you are known to, for one of your programs, which is called executive presence. So to me, when I heard the term executive presence, it means someone with gravitas, someone whom when you walk into the room, you can't help but look at them and feel like you want to follow them or are attracted to them. So there's this little bit of celebrityhood about them, but a bit of maybe fear or intimidation because they are someone of authority. That's my opinion of what it means. But what does it mean for you, in your opinion? What is executive presence? There are many great definitions for executive presence, and I think they're wonderful definitions. Yet when I look at those definitions, I always feel something is missing from them. And over the years, I looked at it again and again and again. And finally, a definition came into my understanding, which covered more than what people see as the presence. Because even to get that presence, there's something else which is happening inside you. And there are certain skill sets also which you acquire to get a certain amount of presence. Yes, people have that natural presence, but even with those natural presence, you need to still polish yourself. So looking at all of that, the way I looked at it is there's an A factor plus a B factor, which gives you that this equals to this so-called executive presence. Now, when you look at the A factor, you would say it would be the way you speak, the way you act, the way you look, perfectly fine. Now, the other question realizes, is that all presence is all about? What about the B factor, which is the credibility? So when you join all of those together, the A plus the B, that's when I thought, okay, that now is making more sense of what executive presence is, just not that you come into, into a room and the presence is there. Because as soon as you might have the presence when you enter the room, but as soon as you open your mouth and it's, it's like, what, what did this person say? The presence just disappears. No matter when you see them, you always see that this person is not that present. Let's put it this way. <laughs> so a definition came into my mind was, is executive presence is the harmonious integration of ICE in developing and sustaining credibility. What is ICE? I love to use acronyms to make things easier. ICE literally meaning your intelligence, your communication, and your emotional wisdom. So that's what ICE is. So intelligence, the I, C, communication, and E, emotional wisdom. Okay. So you're saying we all need ICE, which is intelligence, communication, emotional wisdom, in order to carry through our credibility. Yes. How do we obtain that? This is a very interesting uh, question, which I also asked, how do you obtain it? We all have it to a certain point. It's just one stands out more than the other. Usually when we look at executive presence, it comes from that communication element of the speak, look, and act. But in order to act in a certain bit way, 
in order to speak in a certain way in order to look in a certain way you need to have the intellect as well how do you want to be how do you want to present yourself and so therefore the intellect part needs to be looked at as well and the other part is the emotional wisdom i'm talking about emotional wisdom not emotional intelligence i'm talking about emotional wisdom in terms of having a heart and brain coherence both of them talking to each other so when we look at these elements you start seeing that there is a possibility that you can have that executive presence as well so which comes first do you need the intelligence to be able to decide how you communicate or do you need to understand how your heart and brain works before you have the intelligence to communicate or you communicate first before you, so what comes first my mentor and also more of a friend he puts it very simply for me I tend to say it's the heart the brain and then you take the actions now he puts it in a very he calls it the 3h he says heart head hand your heart needs to be there first your heart needs to be connected which then connects to your brain so your head and your hands are your actions when all of these are things working together combined together you see things happening for you so it is a matter of what's happening inside and then how you use your intellect and your communication is what people see what people start defining as gravitas that's what they see but in order to get to that gravitas you need to work on the other things as well so based on your definition of executive presence someone with maybe a high level of i c and e how would this person look like in real life how would they operate or uh, i would say is three things which would stand out for them is how authentic they are now when we talk about authentic many people are authentic because authentic people are very passionate and committed but when you look at it a bit closer authentic people are people who are mature and will not take offense if you were to give them feedback so that's a combination of being authentic the second part is they're inspirational inspirational in the means they're in spirit they take the necessary actions to do and create things and they they serve others as well so it's not a matter of they force an action they just know that needs to be done if things need to be done it's a inkling which comes from inside somewhere so that's why in spirit and the third is your credibility are you able to deliver what you say walk the talk many people talk the talk but they're not walking the talk and that's very very crucial and people might say hey executive presence are people who are very extrovert no i've seen some of the most introvert individuals have amazing presence just because they're not out there who ha he ha doing all of that doesn't mean they don't have that executive presence they do have it and it can happen at any age it's not just a matter of being at a senior level it can happen at any level and it's something which is required by everyone not just leaders or cfos or ceos a housewife a child someone in customer service someone in sales everyone requires it and it develops as you go on so that is my next question too is do we need executive presence to be successful and do all leaders need executive presence and without it does it mean they will fail great question people ask me that quite often so there's a research done by i think it's 
center of talent in um, New York. And it says 26% of people get promoted. So let me clarify is they get promotions or they get hired because it is dependent on this 26% they define as executive presence. So according to them, yes, it is. It really helps them to get that step, uh, the foot in the door. It allows them to get promoted. On the other hand, you've got people who've got executive presence and not necessarily what we define as success. They see it as success. So what is the definition of success? That's the first place. Is the definition of success materialistic wealth? Is the definition of success in your books being famous? Is it being at a high position? Is it getting promotions after promotions? What is your definition of success? That needs to be clarified first. But if we think about it in a career progression perspective, so let's say, can I also say that if you have executive presence, so therefore you will be highly likely to gain positions that you want to gain in progressing within your career? From the data which is done by Center of Talent, it certainly does state that it does certainly assist you. It does. At the same time, it doesn't mean that you forget about the other things, your credibility part of it, your intellect and the emotional wisdom side of things. Does executive presence also translate across different cultures? Because for what if one culture sees a leader as someone with gravitas and that leader moves into another culture, but they may not be seen as someone with gravitas, does executive presence also translate across different cultural situations? Again, I got into this because of this thing, you know, people kept on talking about gravitas, gravitas, gravitas. And I asked the question, what is levitas then? Isn't that required? Warmth? So gravitas is considered the strength, levitas is the warmth. Wouldn't a combination of both of that work together? The East and the West differs in the way it operates and how they do things. And so is the gravitas always going to work in the different cultures? So you need a combination of both. You can't just say you've got to have gravitas or you've got to have levitas. You need a combination of things. In certain scenarios, the levitas will 100% work. In certain scenarios... The gravitas will certain work. In certain organizations, the gravitas is highly more required, depending on how the culture is. And in certain organizations, it's the lavatas. So it can't be just said it's all about the gravitas. Uh, I see. So it has to be a combination of both Definitely. gravitas and levitas. Yes. And be wise enough to know which to use depending on the situation and who you're communicating with. Absolutely. And this is where your emotional wisdom assists you in which one, what I should be using, what, what is most suitable in this particular scenario. No two people are the same. We're all unique. Mm-hmm. And we as humans need to be adapt to each other, to be flexible, to be versatile. And this is the thing. Executive presence is such a soft skill that people really don't want to talk about it. What should we do about it? So what can be done about it is is to look at yourself from a factor of, when I say the ICE framework, intellect, communication, and emotional wisdom. You need to see where you stand with all of that. Now, when I say intellect, uh, you look at things like critical thinking. Critical thinking underneath things come like problem solving, feedback, decision making. Those things come back. Also, your knowledge of, technical knowledge of things or knowledge as a whole. In your communication side, What are you doing about the way you display your behavior 
the way you speak, the way you look. And on the emotional wisdom side is, are you having that heart-brain coherence or are you getting too emotional? Because being too emotional is not great and being too logical is not great. So having that emotional wisdom when you do the heart-brain coherence, you get into that thing of using, integrating it and using it in a better way. So say I want to develop executive presence within myself. How would I know whether I have it or not? And which areas of the ice do I need to work on? How can I find that out for myself? The first thing I say is know thyself. This is now coming into your emotional wisdom and in many ways your intellect as well. Know thyself. How do you operate as an individual? That's very crucial. That's the first step. Once you're aware of know thyself, then you start seeing, okay, where is that where my strengths lie? I'm a strong believer in if wherever your strengths are, make them stronger. Because as soon as you start making your strengths stronger and stronger, the weaknesses start dwindling away because they're so strong. So you make your strengths stronger. That doesn't mean you're going to ignore your improvement points, the things where you want to develop. You're going to see, do you really want to develop them? Because when you're put in a very, very uncomfortable position, you can actually go the wrong way. That's why the knowing yourself is the most important part is, do I really want to do this? So first part is knowing thyself. Knowing thyself works on your emotional wisdom. From there, you have to see, depending on where you're in your career, whatever your career is, do you hold the credibility from a technical perspective? Now, if you are in finance, do you have the right credentials? Do you have the right experience? Do you have the testimonials to back you up? So is that available? And then on the communication is how do you deliver all of this? Because at the end of the day, we all need to communicate. And that's why people tend to associate executive presence just to the communication part. And at the same time, yes, it's important. That communication is worthless if that intellect and the emotional wisdom is not working. So you need to combine all of them together. Now that we're on this topic, what are the common pitfalls that you see when someone wants to try to develop their executive presence? The common pitfall which I have seen so far, they simply focus on communication. They simply just focus on communication. Again, communication is an extremely crucial part. See, look, what are we doing over here? We're communicating with each other. We could have sat here and said, okay, Rohit, can we do this podcast? And you would have not asked me questions and I would have just sat there and... It would have been worthless, you know, in many ways. It's not, we, I, unless you're telepathic, I don't know. But then I'm not telepathic. <laughs> yeah. So what do we do in that situation? So communication is necessary, in fact. But people focus too much on it without realizing that you need to give equal weightage, all three, the intelligence, the communication, and the emotional wisdom. One is not superior than the other. There are certain circumstances where, yes, you need to heighten your communication, and there's certain situations where you need to heighten the emotional wisdom. Let's take an example where you're in a conflicting situation. In a conflicting situation, emotions go high. Now, would you start communicating? You would think about what you're going to communicate about, and that's why you need your emotional wisdom to calm down the situation. And then the intellect comes into play and then decide what needs to be communicated. The word emotional wisdom is, is something which I came across, I think it was maybe about two or three years ago. One of an acquaintance I know, he sent a book of his coachy, sorry, of his coach. His name is Kurt Armand. 
amazing, amazing individual, lives in South Africa. I've read his work and I looked at the word emotional wisdom and suddenly I realized, yes, emotional intelligence is great, but it's still intelligence. People can have emotional wisdom without even having degrees or being educated. Why do people go to wise sage men or women to get guidance? Because there's some kind of emotional wisdom in them. And look at them. They have a lot of presence, these particular individuals. And they communicate. They have intellect. But somehow they, it's the emotional wisdom shows their presence. Also the word emotional intelligence, it doesn't sound like it's an easy element of executive presence to develop. And it's something that you emphasize a lot on in explaining what executive presence is. So if, like, say, for example, I realize I don't have high emotional wisdom, how do I start developing that? Because to me, wisdom is you need a lot of experience, you need a lot of time, you need a lot of mentoring or coaching, and it sounds like it's a lot of work. In my experience, wisdom has come through experience. Then there you meet some people who are just wise. They're very young and they're just wise. They haven't had the experience. How come they're wise? So there must be some kind of where we're now going to the metaphysics of things is that they must have that connection with the universe that they know it. How do they know it? It's quite amazing. So they are able to connect to the source or as I would say, connect to the divine. They have that clarity which we learn through experience, but they somehow have got that clarity from a very young age. Now, emotional wisdom, the way I look at it is, you have to ask yourself a question. Are you doing things or in a state of being fearful? Are you in a state of loving? When you're in a state of fearful, you tend to be in emotions such as shame, guilt, anger, desire, pride. But when you're in a state of loving, you tend to be in joy, enlightenment, courage, your harmony. These are different states which start coming up. And when you're in a certain situation and you are flustered, irritated, ask yourself, am I doing this from a fearful state or am I doing this from a loving state? And as soon as you know that you're in a fearful state, that means you're in low in your emotional wisdom. You know the answer. You don't require research and research to do it. You know it. In the same way, you know when you're in a loving state and everything seems so great and so wonderful, that means your emotional wisdom is rising that particular time. And we have our ups and downs. Just like with our communication, sometimes we're useless at our communication. Sometimes we're like, wow, that was amazing. I couldn't know I communicated that way. And same with intelligence. You know, there's a lot of people say that, hey, I'm not a very smart individual. They say that to themselves. And when you talk to them and when you listen to them and you say, but you are a smart individual, you're an intelligent individual, where did you get that from? So it's a matter of looking off where you're coming from and able to, like I said, harmoniously integrating the whole three to actually show your presence. And the presence happens automatically. People see it. Like you said in the beginning, you know, if somebody has presence, you just know it. It's like when you just know that you're in love, it's the same thing. I like your approach to executive presence because for 
other speakers or other trainers that talk about executive presence, like you mentioned, they focus a lot about how you dress, how you speak, the way you talk, the way you carry yourself, mannerism. So people actually go to schools to learn about how do you walk, how do you talk, how do you hold your cutlery, how do you sit on a chair. But your perspective is really interesting because you challenge the person to look within themselves. And when you are clear about what is within, then that will come out in the way they speak, in the way they behave, in the way they relate to other people. Absolutely right. And going to these grooming, these image consultants, that's fine. It's perfectly fine. At the same time, if you are unaware of who yourself are, you're not clear about yourself, then it's, it's this thing about fake it till you make it. And for me, it's more about faith it and you will make it. Rather than faking it, just faith it and you will make it. And that goes back to the point of, do you really know yourself? And knowing yourself is an ongoing process because through life, you come through situations, scenarios, you realize, I wasn't aware I was like that. Or you say to yourself, I got into this argument. Why did I get into this argument? So this is where you are raising your awareness about yourself. It also sounds like it's not a journey that you would embark on your own because if we do self-reflection on things that we have done, as in the conversations we had or how we manage people or how we manage projects, our own insight might be quite limited. So if we want to embark on this journey of improving my executive presence, what can we do apart from asking questions for myself? How did I do it? I'm going to do it better because our own insight is limited, right? So you say our own insight is limited. Again, that's the conditioning which we've been given. We are able to become our own teachers. It's sometimes, sometimes we need another teacher to guide us to realize what a great teacher we are to ourselves. And teachers come in the form of a coach, in a form of a mentor, in a form of a friend as well, in the form of a trainer or a speaker. They can come from anywhere. It's just you need to decide what path you want to take. In the corporate world, people talk about coaching, they talk about mentor, they talk about trainers, they talk about speakers. Great paths to take. And sometimes it could be just that friend who's very wise, who's way better than any of the coaches or the trainers or the speakers. And they're able to trigger something in you or ask that right question because they know how you work for you to have that enlightenment. If I want to be my own self-teacher, because I like that concept of teaching myself. And if I reflect on my life and my career path, I don't have one teacher or one mentor or one coach. I had multiple people that came in and out of my life in different periods that gave me different lessons. So if I were to teach myself, how does that work? It's interesting you say that, how do I teach myself to become my own teacher? And this is the same question I asked my own teacher. You know, how do you do that? He says, you simply just do it. You will make mistakes. That doesn't mean you don't go to another teacher. If something is not working, if something is not understandable, if it's not working for you, or if it's not being successful, then you tend to go to other people to see how do they do it? It's always good to know how to do it. It's not necessary that formula is going to work for you. And I've had this discussion with my own teacher. He's a medical doctor, an amazing individual, Dr. Sego Ramesh. And he says, become your own teacher. And at the same time, he says, that doesn't mean I'm not here. I'm still going to guide you if you require my guidance. And 
he's the one who kind of opened this up for me that you can become your own teacher and there are people there to help you out because all we need is guidance. That's all we need. And that's in essence when there's another teacher is working with you, they're guiding you to become your own teacher. That's what they're all doing. Because then people go and start their own things. So with the, one of the exercises which my, my teacher, Dr. Segurumesh has taught me, I teach that during my sessions and I have my own twist to it. And he says, do it your way. I've shown you the way I do it. Do it what works for you. Now, somebody might say you're corrupting the teachings. I'm not corrupting the teachings because it's still in pure essence of what he's saying. And I've shown him what I'm doing. He said, go ahead. Does it work? I said, yeah. He said, as long as it works. <laughs> you're not causing any issues or problems or trouble to anyone. It works. Then it's fine. But if you're causing some grief to someone, then it's an issue. So that's why it's very important to be aware that you can become a teacher for yourself. So in essence, your concept of self-teaching is you look to other teachers for direction and guidance, but yet you are the one who takes the action, learns from the action, and determine for yourself whether it works for me or not. Absolutely right. So let's say if you go into a restaurant, okay, let's say you and I go to a restaurant, both of us want to have biryani, for example. You like your biryani in a certain way. I like my biryani in a certain way. And you may like it very spicy. I don't like it spicy. Now, the ingredients are all there. It's just the ingredients which you want the, your biryani in doesn't suit for me. So you have your own unique formula. I have my own unique formula because that's what resonates with me. And finding your own unique formula evolves through time. It's a discovery. And sometimes it's a very painful discovery. <laughs> you think you've sussed it out and then you go, no, I need to add something else to it now. Or it's too spicy. I should have put less spice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if we tie this self-teaching back into executive presence, right? So if I want to self-teach executive presence, where is a good place for me to start? Okay. Now... There are a number of resources out there. One of the things which I would strongly recommend is if you feel that you don't want to go to these resources is go to someone you trust and ask them, you know, for some, not feedback, feed forward on how they can amplify their intellect, their communication and their emotional wisdom. Now, this could be someone at work. This could be someone you know personally, but you need to have that trust factor and you know that individual will give you feed forward, not criticism, but feed forward. They could say, I reckon you should slow down the way you speak. Just an example. Or they could say, you know, your technical knowledge on your subject needs to be improved. Or what I've seen is when in a, you're in a conflicting situation, you get very upset and it's, it shows this is the type you feed forward you require and do it from a trusted person, not anyone, a person you trust. Feed forward to me is what I am I going to do next because I'm moving forward. The only thing you can do is actually move forward. So what am I going to do next? Feedback is why am I going back? You know, he's doing the reverse scare. Uh, so it's about feed forward. I've done this. Great. This is what I see is going well. Now for the next step, let's focus on getting this sorted out. Mm, okay, so that's why it's called feed forward because it's 
opinions and commentary and guidance to help you move to the next level. Absolutely. Do you have any key tips for our listeners when it comes to executive presence? Executive presence, like I said, is the harmonious integration of ice, intellect, communication, and emotional wisdom. My recommendation is look at all three of them. So one of the greatest challenges I face is decision-making. And it's because of the way I've been conditioned from a young age. How do I manage that? I actually go to someone who I trust and I say, it can sound very simple to the other person, but to me it seems very complex. And I'll sit down with them and I'll say, look, this is a challenge I'm facing. I'm unable to make a decision. Can you suggest what can I do? And so they will help you break down what it is. If you do A, B, C, D, what's going to happen? If you do E, F, G, what's going to happen? What are the benefits and what are not the benefits from this? So I use another party to help me improve my decision making. So that's definitely one way. If you're looking at communication, one of the things which I always suggest is if you are in the business environment and you have to do a lot of meetings, you have to present, do a recording yourself. Find someone who's willing to assist you to evaluate that recording on what could be improved in the terms you deliver. In terms of emotional wisdom, check what's happening with you, the feelings which arise. When you're in a situation, like I said, is this a fearful state I am in? I anger, resentment, rejection, or am I in a loving state? Joy, in courage, in uh, harmony. And to a point, you could also actually make a journal which allows you to see what's happening with me on an emotional level. There are always people around who can assist you. Now, if you want to go further on and get deeper into it, then yes, find that coach, find that mentor, find that trainer, or find that even if speaker, go to a seminar and see how it can assist you. That's the path which I will take you. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, Rohit. How can our listeners reach you if they want to reach you? They can go to my website, which is roitalks.com. They can email me, roi at roitalks.com. So those are two different ways they can connect with me. Thank you again for your time, Rohit. Thank you so much for your time. That was Rohit Basi, a TEDx and global professional speaker based in Dubai. We spoke about developing your executive presence. In our next episode, we will speak to a serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, pioneering influencer, and fellow podcaster, Gary Vaynerchuk, or also known as Gary V. We will speak about becoming an entrepreneur. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, Take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, or wherever you download your podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. If you believe this podcast show will help a friend or family, please share this episode with them via social media or your podcast app. I'm your host, Ling Ling. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast.